Right now, we are seeing a lot of economic turmoil going on and even potentially a recession. Well, did you know that the rich get even richer in recessions? And right now, we are entering the best time ever to invest in real estate. Hey guys, Dustin Heininger. I've actually been on two episodes talking about Fresno, California and Phoenix, Arizona. And speaking of Phoenix, Arizona, you need to come and hang out with me and 43 other expert real estate investors who are going to show you how to invest in real estate in the recession. You need to come to Phoenix, Arizona for the Real Estate Wealth Builders Conference. This is a conference for investors by investors to help you invest in real estate. This is a no sales pitch conference where we are going to be helping you to invest in real estate. And in this annual conference, you are going to be learning how to become a successful real estate investor from expert investors. I want to give you 10% off of your ticket to the Real Estate Wealth Builders Conference. Use the promo code Lee to get 10% off your ticket. Go to rubcon.com, R-E-W-B-C-O-N.com. And I will get you 10% off if you use the promo code Lee. You can change your life and become financially independent by investing in real estate. I'll see you at the Real Estate Wealth Builders Conference. Welcome to this episode of the We Travel There podcast. We're in Newcastle, UK with my new friend, Paul McDougall of TravelNest.com. Paul was born in Newcastle, but now he travels the world as a freelance travel writer. He loves the people, the accent, and all the outdoor activities in the area. In this episode, Paul and I talk about exploring Hadrian's Wall, supporting local shops and enjoying delicious food at the Usborne, and hiking up to the Angel of the North. You hear about these three amazing experiences and so much more. If you know someone interested in visiting the UK, I'd love it if you shared this episode with them. The show notes and our one-page guide of Paul's tips are available at wetravelthere.com forward slash Newcastle. Now let's get started. The We Travel There podcast helps you travel like a local by interviewing guests from around the world to uncover the hidden gems of their city by finding out the best things to do, eat, drink, and see from a local's point of view. Hey, Paul, welcome to the show. Thanks very much, Lee. Today, we're talking about Newcastle in the UK. And when I met you, I'm like, you know what? My dog is actually named after the beer that comes from Newcastle. I'm like, I have to have you on the show. (laughs) (laughs) Can I ask why you named your dog after that beer? Uh, Because... I like drinking it. I don't know. I mean, it's a, it's a great beard. Uh, you know, it's like a, surely that, you must like drinking lots of different beers. Oh, absolutely, yeah. But I, what I kind of do is like I kind of name the dogs after beers that are like, kind of look at their personality or like their their color of their coat, you know. And so at the time, I had the brothers. There was Newcastle, and then there was Guinness. Guinness was like the black dog, and Newcastle <laughs> was like the kind of like the the dark brown. So. <laughs> that's just my little I'm, quirk i'm flat that that the dark brown beer that you chose was the dark brown beer from my city thanks i suppose is that what i should say <laughs> absolutely we'll, we'll definitely cheers whenever we meet up we'll, we'll definitely have a, a drink and cheers to that so what's your connection to newcastle i was born there i was born in newcastle raised in newcastle and because of that i've spent years and years of my life in the city so i, I don't live there anymore but for the vast majority of my life I have lived there. Nice. And so uh obviously spending so many years there growing up, you know, through your childhood as well as like your young adult, if you had to describe like the city or the people in just a couple of words, how would you do that? Friendly. I mean I'm biased, but I'm gonna say friendly. And the city is small. I think most people when they come to the city are actually surprised by how small it is. You can I mean obviously it has residential like outskirts and stuff but in terms of what people consider to be the city center you can walk from one side to the other side in about 20 minutes it's a small city center oh wow well and then for for the the listeners that aren't exactly sure where in the uk it is like 
say like in relation to London or, or just the overall country itself, where is Newcastle? It's the most northern city in England. So it's in the northeast. And if you keep heading north from Newcastle for around an hour in the car, you'll hit the Scottish border. So it's right up there in the north before Scotland. Oh, fantastic. Okay. And then you know, if somebody listens to this, ep- this episode and they're inspired to come visit, how do we actually get there? Uh, do we fly like an international flight into London and then take another flight up there? Or there's are there international flights into Newcastle? Yeah, there are international flights. Uh, it's not the biggest airport in the world, but it does have some pretty good connections to quite a lot of cities. So you can fly directly there. And if you do fly directly there, the metro, which is the city's underground. Well, it's underground and underground but it's like the light rail system. It goes through the airport. So it's nice and easy to get from the airport to the city centre. But it, but if you do fly anywhere else, Edinburgh, London, blah, 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 whatever, it's very easy to get from most places in the UK via train to Newcastle. Okay, perfect. And then, like you said, so once we actually get to Newcastle, we don't need a car. We could just take public transportation from the airport to the city and then walk around. Or do you recommend getting a car while we're there? It depends what your plans are. So I've got about 3,000 answers to this question. So if I go on for too much time, please tell me to shut my mouth. Um, <laughs> but if you're just staying in the city centre and you're just visiting like the coastline and a few places that are close to the city centre, you absolutely don't need a car. So if you're just exploring the city centre, you can just get around on foot even. You don't even need to use public transport. But And maybe we'll come to this later, but for me... I love, love, love Newcastle. But for me, the major appeal of Newcastle is all the stuff that surrounds Newcastle. So we have a brilliant coastline and we have loads of good hikes and we have Northumberland National Park, which is between Newcastle and Scotland. If you want to see that stuff, then you do need a car. Okay, that makes sense. And I know a lot of people nowadays are are using Lyft and Uber and, and other rideshare apps. Is that available there or is that just something that's not really happening in, in Newcastle? Like it is, you can easily get Ubers in Newcastle um, and you could easily get an Uber from Newcastle to the outskirts. But I don't know how easy it would be to get from a remote part of, say, say if you wanted to go from Newcastle to a remote area, 45 minutes of north of Newcastle, it would be easy to go that way. But if you wanted to make the reverse journey back into Newcastle, I don't know how feasible that would be. But here's a, a little bit of a controversial opinion for you. If you are trying to get from a small place to Newcastle, it's very, very easy to hitchhike in Scotland and Northern England. I know that's not everybody's preferred method of travel, <laughs> but if you're desperate, then you can absolutely hitchhike. And I've done it plenty of times. Nice. Yeah. I think I've watched too many horror movies where it's like, you know, the hitchhiker <laughs> gets like the axe murderer and everything like that. I try to avoid those situations as much as possible. I, I know everyone says this and I do get it. But ironically, a couple of weeks ago, I was on another podcast where I was talking about why I love hitchhiking. And I spent about an hour talking about how much I love it and why I love it. But that's a conversation for a different time, isn't it? <laughs> for sure. So, okay. So like you said, public transportation is easy to get to the city center. Now, as far as like, where should we stay within the, the city? Are there like major hotel brands, like some of the bigger ones like Hilton and Hyatt and stuff like that? Or is it such a small city that it's mainly like more like mom and pop type of places? No, it's there are plenty of recognized names. I mean, there are also plenty of not recognized names. But yeah, you can easily find a chain hotel that you're comfortable with. And because the whole city is so small, or at least the area that most tourists explore is so small, it doesn't really matter which part of the city you stay in, to be honest. My favourite part of the city, which again I'm sure we'll talk about soon, is an area called the Ooseburn, which is just east of the very city centre. 
and like I would recommend staying there, but because you can walk from there to the city center, you don't need to stay there by any means. Oh, perfect. Perfect. Yeah. I think it's one of those things that, although I love using my miles and points to pay for travel, I, I think being able to find the, those unique places that are in each city that are you know independently owned and operated, I think that provides a lot, a lot more character than, uh, than like the cookie cutter stamped properties from some of those big names. Well, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, like if you go to any big city in any developed country, you see the same names when it comes to cafes and restaurants and bars and hotels and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, there are also plenty of independent places in Newcastle as well. Okay. And so when people are planning their trip, obviously, if you, like you said, if you're in like the, the northernmost part of the UK, UK already has kind of uh, iffy weather sometimes anyways, uh, <laughs> oh, being, yeah. that much, being that much more north. You know, I'm sure that the weather kind of affects things even more so when you're planning a trip. So what's the weather like throughout the year? And are there any certain festivals or annual events that maybe somebody wants to plan the trip around attending one of those? No, I'm not going to lie to you, Lee. The weather is pretty terrible. But if you come in the summer and if you're lucky, then the weather can be good. So say if you come between May and September, even inclusive of May and September as well. The weather can be good. And we also, because we're quite far north, we get long days. So don't quote me on this. You might want to Google it yourself. But like, I think in the height of summer, the sun rises at about 5.30 or something and like sets at about 10. So we get super long days in the summer, which is quite nice. In terms of festivals, we do have some small music festivals. Um, some are bigger than others. But the most famous festival that we have, well, it's not really a festival, but it's an annual event. It's called The Hoppings. And it's the biggest traveling fair in Europe. I think it used to be the biggest traveling fair in the world, but I don't think it is anymore. And I think that's every June. Let me just search. Yes, it is June. And it absolutely dominates a green area of the city called the Town Moor. And it's basically just a big field close to the city center. But the Hobbins absolutely dominates that place. And it's been going for years and years and years. Like even when my grandparents were, were kids, they used to go. So if you can come in Newcastle in June, you should come for that because even if you're not into fairgrounds and fairground rides and stuff, it's really, really unique and it is absolutely massive. Oh, that sounds fantastic. Especially traveling with kids. I'm sure they would love all the rides there at the fair and everything else. Oh, mate, they would love it so much. When I was a kid, I used to love it. That's fantastic. Now, like obviously, like you started to mention there are a couple other items of different things to do while you're there in Newcastle. So let's talk about, uh, you mentioned like the National Park uh, and then also the, the Osborne, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So what are some of the, the those type of activities that we should do while we're there? So first, I'll give you the stuff that's in the centre. And to be honest, there isn't much stuff in the centre. Newcastle is mainly famous as a place that people come, people from within the UK come to Newcastle to either watch football, as in soccer, or drink lots and lots and lots of alcohol. So that's what it's famous for. People don't really come <laughs> for the, the, the tourist attractions in the city. And to be honest, there aren't many tourist attractions in the city. But the riverside area is nice, and we have some nice bridges, and we have some art galleries, and the football stadium is very big and very famous. So in terms of actual attractions, there isn't a great deal to do, but there are just lots of lovely areas. And what I'm going to say is if you go to Newcastle, please, please, please go to the Ooseburn. So it's just to the east of the, the city centre. So what you should do is head from the city centre down to the riverside and then head east, turn left, head east uh, along the river. And within about 10 minutes, you'll find yourself in the Ooseburn. And it's, what is it? It's like a little hip independent area and you have 
independent bars, independent cafes, independent restaurants. And it's quite small, but it's just really, really wholesome, really, really lovely. You have kids, so these two things might be of interest to you. There's um, the National Children's Museum is there, and it's called Seven Stories, partially because it has seven floors, it has seven stories, and also because it's related to books. It's the National, what is it, the National Children's Literature Museum or something. Um, and there's loads of interactive stuff in there for kids. And Oosburn also has a petting zoo, so you can go and touch some animals. And who doesn't like touching animals, Lee? Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah, especially like the, the lamb, you know, the, the sheep and everything. Mm-hmm. Sorry, the lamb is when we cook them. So <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> Baby sheep are called lambs also, right? So Yeah, it's almost lunchtime, you know, so I'm thinking of I'm thinking of food. He's a hungry man. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like, they're, they're so soft and, and fuzzy and everything, and the kids love chasing them and, and petting them and everything else. And yeah, the, the Oosbird also... Some of the best pubs in the city are in the Oosburn as well. And you get really good food there. Yeah, if you go to Newcastle, please, please, please spend a full day in the Oosburn. And when I say a full day, I mean a full day because there's enough activities there. Yeah, spend a day in the Oosburn if you go to Newcastle. Nice. And uh, I know in some of the photos that you you sent to me before the interview that I saw you cycling a lot of like really great areas, uh, just really picturesque and, and beautiful. You know, I ride bikes as well. Is that a big thing in Newcastle or is that just something that, that you like to do? So I think, as I said slightly earlier, Newcastle is a brilliant, brilliant city and it's full of brilliant people and it's really fun. And there are lots of reasons to go. But for me, the biggest reason to go to Newcastle is all the stuff outside of Newcastle. So, for example, if you head just east to the coastline, you've got three towns. They're called Tynemouth, Whitley Bay and Cullercoats, and they all border each other. And you can access them with public transport from the centre of Newcastle. They're really, really lovely. You can get some fish and chips. You can swim in the sea if you like really, really cold water. You can do some water sports. Um, you can just relax with a the coffee. These are all lovely places. But then if you follow the coastline north, uh, you reach an area called Northumberland. Now, England is separated in lots of different counties, like every country is, I suppose. And I think... That part of England is the least densely populated part of England. So you get lots of like peaceful areas and the coastline is super, super, super beautiful. And then if you head inland from there, so now we're talking west of the coast, but north of Newcastle, there's a massive national park, Northumberland National Park. And in and around there, there's loads of places to hike and cycle and go for cute little walks and all that sort of stuff. So I'm not going to lie to you and I'm not going to pretend that every single person who lives in Newcastle and every single person who visits Newcastle does these things. But what I'm saying is for me, that is the biggest reason to go to Newcastle to explore all the stuff surrounding it. But it is, you're asking about cycling. It is a brilliant base for bike rides. So you might or might not know this from a past episodes that you've done about the UK. But within the UK, we have a, a network of cycle routes called the National Cycle Network. And they're, officially signposted cycle tracks throughout the UK and they're on really good surfaces and stuff so they're really really easy to ride on and there are lots that run through Newcastle and around Newcastle so for example if you wanted to cycle from Newcastle to the coast you can do that and I think it's the National Cycle Network 72 but I could be getting that wrong and then if you wanted to follow the coast north from there then you follow the number one so cycling is just really easy and really accessible and really safe in and around Newcastle which is nice does that answer your question? I feel like I've answered your question about 83 times then. It's for way too much time. I'm so sorry. No, no, it's all good. Uh, no, I mean, I think that's one of the things that when you are traveling, sometimes it's good to mix like your loves from at home with the destinations that you're at. So obviously you live 
there or your parents still live there or whatever. So you have access to a bike for somebody like me that's, that's traveling. I guess I could just rent one, uh, rent a bike from a local shop there. You could, yes. So there's a place called the Cycle Hub and the Ooseburn that I was talking about just there. I told you it had everything at the very bottom of the Ooseburn where it meets the riverside. There's a place called the Cycle Hub and it's a bike repair shop and a bike rental shop and also a little cafe. So you can just get yourself there, rent a bicycle for the day, have some fun and go and, ret- go and return it at the end of the day. Nice, nice. Yeah. And so I think from some of the photos you sent me, there's uh, obviously you can go to the coast. There's the castle cycle route. So I guess you're going to be riding past some some castles. Is that part of it? There is a big long bike ride called the Coast and Castles, Coast and Castles route. I think most tourists probably wouldn't do the full thing, but it runs all the way from Newcastle to Edinburgh. And it runs along the coastline, but it also takes you past lots of castles and stuff. But I think, and let me just Google this to make sure I'm not absolutely lying to you, but I think there are around 70 castles in Northumberland. To be honest, I'm going to sound like an absolute Philistine here because I'm not really into history, right? But (laughs) yeah, so there are more than 70 castles in Northumberland. And again, just to reiterate, that's the region north of Newcastle and south of Scotland. So you can have like your own version of Game of Thrones while you're there uh, riding your bike, right? You can see all the castles. Exactly, right? Riding a <laughs> little bicycle past beautiful castles. What more could you want? But yeah, so, so like those things, as I said, they're not in Newcastle. They would be day trips from Newcastle. But in fact, some of the castles are accessible by public transport. So there's a place called Annick, um, and that's probably the most famous castle in the region. It's famous because it's absolutely massive, but also some parts of Harry Potter were filmed there as well. And you can take a bus from Newcastle to Annick. There's also a place called Bambra, and that's a little bit further, and that is along the coast. And that's, like I said, I'm not really into castles, but this is my favourite castle in the northeast. Uh, and it's on a sort of high rocky outcrop overlooking the beach. So you can take, I'm 99% sure, but your listeners might want to check this, that you can take a direct bus from Newcastle to Bambra. It will be quite a long journey, about an hour and a half, but you can get there by public transport. And you can walk along the beach and look at an absolutely massive castle, and it's super beautiful. Yeah, if I could recommend two day trips from Newcastle that include castles that you can do by public transport, it would be Annick and Bambra. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, now, a couple of things that are also kind of bigger tourist attractions that are there in Newcastle is the Angel of the North. What is the story behind that? Of course, I've forgotten the Angel of the North. Of course, I have. How have I managed to forget that? I don't know what the story is, but there's a famous sculptor, or at least he was famous when he made it, called Anthony Gormley. Maybe it's pronounced Anthony Gormley. I'm not sure. But it's just south of Newcastle. Um, everyone says it's in Newcastle, but it technically isn't, but it basically is. Um, and it's just a huge, huge metal structure that sort of looks like an angel. I don't know. And it, it's quite iconic because it's so big, but also it's sort of like a symbol of the city. It's one of those things where, you know, say you've gone south to another part of England and you're driving home and you see that and you think, ah, now I'm home. There's the angel of the north. I'm finally home. So even though there's not much to do there, like you just go and look at this big sculpture, it's become an icon, a symbol of the city. So you should definitely go visit that. And that also is accessible by by public transport. Like I say, there's not a whole lot to do there, but it's massive and it's quite impressive. And it makes for a good photograph. And that's what we travel for, really. That's right. It's all, it's all about the Instagram, you know? I mean, that's... Yeah. I, guess, I, guess now, like, I guess I'm dating myself now. It's all about the TikTok. So... Um. <laughs> Jesus, man. I'm too old for TikTok as well. Yeah. <laughs> now, one of the other uh, cycling photos that I, I got from you was something called uh, Hadrian's Wall. What is that? Okay. A little bit of a history lesson for you here. So, back in Roman times, the 
was a wall that was built. I think they started building it in 122 AD, so it's um, pretty old. And I could be getting the history slightly wrong here, but um, the Romans built it because they occupied the southern part of what is now the UK. And there was some sort of northern, I don't know, Vikings or barbarians or something above that. And the wall was built to stop the people north coming south. And that was the whole point of the wall. So it is like a historical heritage area if you're interested in all that stuff. And there are forts along it and museums along it where you can learn about the wall and the history and the Romans, blah, blah, blah. But for me, more importantly than that, it's just a super, super beautiful area. So it runs through Northumberland National Park and some other places. And you can you can hike the entire length of it. I mean, there are only some fragments that all remain in, like, there are not many parts that all remain in, but you can do a full hike or a full bike ride from where the wall began and ended. And the length of it was 73 miles or yeah, 73 miles, 117 kilometers was the length of the wall. But if you cycle along the region that it used to be in or hike along the region that it used to be in, the bike rides and the hikes are even longer than that. So if you're interested in outdoor stuff or history or heritage or hiking or cycling or whatever, you can go there for all of those reasons. Well, that's pretty awesome. Now, one of the other things that uh, I guess before we started talking, before we started hitting record, anyways, we're talking about soccer and and football and and everything else. And like you mentioned, taking in a match over at uh, St. James Park. Yes, my spiritual home. Yeah, man. Like I, I used to have a season ticket. So for your listeners who don't know what a season ticket is, uh, in the Premier League season, you play 19 games per year at your home ground in a certain competition and a season ticket means you get to go to all of those games and I had one from maybe I don't know 10 years old 23 or 24 something like that and I now live outside of Newcastle but I really 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 miss apart from family and friends the thing I most miss is going to the football games the football's quite high quality these days because we have new owners and we play quite good football but more importantly the atmosphere is amazing a lot of people say that the best football atmosphere you can get in the UK is at a Newcastle match. Obviously, all of the local people are going to say that because we're all ridiculously biased. But um, even even people who aren't from Newcastle will often tell you that the best atmosphere is in uh, is at Newcastle games. So if you're into football, you'll love it anyway. But even if you're not into football, the atmosphere is really unique, really loud, really raucous, I suppose would be the word. I've never said that word before in my life. <laughs> yeah, even if even if you're not into football, you should go just for the atmosphere because it's so interesting and so unique. And uniquely, football fans might be interested in this. The stadium itself is in the centre of the city. What you usually find is big football stadiums in the UK, big football stadiums in the UK are um, outside of the city centre, but in Newcastle, it's right in the city centre, which is quite unusual. Yeah, that's awesome. Now, like we talked about like with the hoppings is in June. If we want to go to one of the, the footy matches, what time of year should we plan to, to visit Newcastle for that? Good question. The season usually runs from sort of middle of August until middle of May, there or thereabouts. The most exciting atmosphere will probably be if we've still got something to play for, then the most exciting atmospheres will be towards the end of the season usually, but they're all good. Okay, perfect. Now, one of the things we don't want to miss talking about is the food in Newcastle. Now, I know you mentioned like at the Oosburn, there's a whole lot of collection of, of food and, and drinks and you know, other shops and everything like that. So I'm sure there's some great restaurants there as well, but I'm sure there's some other ones outside of the Oosburn that you'd recommend too. So what are some of your favorites that we should hit up? Okay, so the first recommendation I'm going to give you is a little bit of an unusual recommendation and it might not be the type of travel experience that everybody likes, but there's an indoor market right in the very center of Newcastle and it's called the Granger Market. And it's just, 
you know, those old school markets that you can imagine 200 years ago, people would go, you know, to buy their fruits from one person, their vegetables from another person, their meat from another person, blah, blah, blah. It's one of those. And it's been running since 1835. But now it's quite interesting because it's a mix of old and new. So you still have the old greengrocers and the butchers and the fishmongers and all that sort of stuff. But you also have some quite hipstery street food style places selling interesting food. So I would recommend going there to eat a little bit of food. So the food is really affordable, but it's really fresh, really tasty. And it's really, really popular for lunch. This is only a lunch spot because it closed at 5 p.m. But you can get Greek food, Indian food, pizza, burgers, Spanish. There's even like a little Spanish deli. There's a little place that's selling like real traditional old school local English foods that no one apart from everyone's grandparents even eats anymore. (laughs) So if you want a a good variety of cheap, authentic food and it's no frills and no fuss, I totally recommend going there. But I know obviously that's not everyone's preferred style of eating. So if you're looking for something a bit different, one place I recommend is the Time Bar, which again is in the Oosburn, but I promise I'm going to move away from the Oosburn in a second. But Time Bar, it's like a really good informal pub with really good beer and really good food. But if you go on a Tuesday evening and spend more than £5 on drinks, you get a free meal. So that's nice. Oh, yeah. There's a place called The Bake One, which is a Lebanese restaurant, which is nice. There's a really good pub called The Broad Chair. And it's sort of like a an old school pub, but it's been modernized to have, how would I put it, like traditional pub food, but with a slightly modern twist. So it's like posh old school pub food, if that makes sense. And that's really, really lovely. There's a place called Fat Hippo that does really good burgers. And if you want brunch, if you want a really good brunch, again, I'm taking you back to the Oosburn, go to a place called Ernest. They do really good brunch. But they're also open on weekends, they even open late, and it becomes like a little bit of a sort of nightclub spot. So it's a bit of everything. But yeah, for the best brunch in the city that I know of anyway, go to Ernest. Oh, fantastic. Now, um, my kids are really into donuts right now. Like they're they're young and you know, they they have a good high metabolism, right? So they can eat all the good stuff. So I heard there's like a really good donut spot there as well. There absolutely is. It's called Proven Goods, and it's a little donut shop inside of a shipping container i told you that oozburn was trendy didn't i it's inside of a shipping container and yeah they do fresh donuts every day and by the i'm not sure what time they close now because i think they extended their open hours since i was last there but if you go close to closing time they like every time they have nothing that's how popular the place is they sell out every single day so yeah go to proven goods get yourself a donut they're expensive but you'll enjoy it Oh, that's fantastic. Paul, I really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing all those amazing tips, but now it's time for the final countdown. If somebody only time for one meal in Newcastle, where should they go and what should they eat? I'm going to give you two answers to this question, and I'm really, really sorry for doing that because I'm breaking your rules. But the first option uh, is going back to what I said earlier. So go to the Granger Market, have a wander around, look at all the street food style, canteen style places, and just choose whatever you think looks good. I would probably go for the greek food if i was only going to go for one of them but you've got loads of options the second option if you're looking for a more of a real meal is go to a place called the tanas on a sunday they do a really really good sunday lunch so you probably already know this but a traditional english dinner is um, a sunday roast which is roast meat with roasted vegetables and roasted potatoes it's quite difficult to find a good one in the uk to be honest because there are so many terrible pubs serving terrible food but the tanas is the best one in Newcastle. Perfect. Now, like you said, you grew up in, in Newcastle, stayed there for many years of your life before you took off and, and started checking out the rest of the world. 
I'm sure you have a lot of great stories from, from living there. Which one are you most memorable? I'm going to give you a bit of a cop-out answer for this one, right? Because I've spent so many years and hours <laughs> in the city that I really, really don't know. And I feel like I've got so many good memories that they've all merged into one and I can't even think of one. So what I'm going to say is that for me, for me, the most memorable thing about the city is the fact that all of my family are still there and the vast majority of my good friends are still there. And I love them all so much. And for me, that's the most memorable thing about the city. Oh, for sure. And especially like now that you're traveling and I know right now you're in uh, the country of Georgia, it's one of those things that like it brings you back. It's a, it's a reason to go back to the city, to be able to spend time there, to be able to see them and kind of conjure up a lot of those old memories. Exactly. And sorry, I don't have a better answer to that question. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all good. Now, speaking of good times and happy memories, uh, where's the happiest happy hour in Newcastle? So this might surprise you, but um, happy hour isn't really a thing in Newcastle. It's sort of more like happy week because everybody just drinks constantly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a city with a big, big drinking culture. And people from other parts of the UK often go to Newcastle to, to drink with the sole purpose of wanting to drink. So we don't really have happy hours, if that makes sense. But if you want me to recommend one pub, the free trade-in, if you only go to one pub in Newcastle to enjoy a drink in Newcastle, go to the free trade in. Perfect. Yeah, we'll definitely hit that up. Now, one of the things I always do whenever I travel, it kind of gives me like a taste of home, but also it's one of my favorite foods, is uh, you're checking out the local pepperoni pizza. What's the best place for pizza in Newcastle? So once again, I'm taking you inside the Granger Market, that old school market that's now sort of been a little bit repurposed. Inside there, there's a place called Slice. Um, and it's a pizza by the slice place, obviously. And they do the best pizza in the city by a long, long way. The pepperoni's good, but it's all good. There's always a queue there. Uh, and it's some of the best pizza I've ever eaten. And it's also super, super cheap. It's something like two pounds for a slice of pizza, which is about two and a half dollars. That's great. Uh, love me a good deal. That's for sure. So I know from the, from talking to you personally uh, that you're a travel writer. You're traveling all over the world. You're spending time in different countries, kind of like a slow travel being there for months at a time. I'm sure with all that, you've you've amassed some really great travel tips. Uh, what's one of your best? For this, I've prepared you, if that's okay, a tip about Newcastle. And it's something I've, I've already touched upon. It's that, again, if, you, if you're going to go to Newcastle, give yourself more time than you need because Newcastle is a brilliant, brilliant, beautiful city. And I'll always call it my home. But the real magic of Newcastle is the stuff surrounding Newcastle. So don't just go for one or two days. If you have time, give it a few days and explore the stuff surrounding it as well. And I guess I would say that about any city on the planet, really. But I think it's especially true with Newcastle, although maybe I am biased. <laughs> For sure. No, I think I think that's a great tip because a lot of times we we know of like the tourist things we want to do, the game we want to attend, and the museum we want to visit, those type of things. But if you're just constantly on on a schedule, you don't give a chance yourself a chance to kind of just walk around and, and explore things. And that's a lot of times that's when you find like the best memories and the, and the best experiences. Because you, you just open yourself up to new opportunities. Yep, absolutely. Well, right on. Well, well Paul, again, I, I appreciate you coming on the show and, and sharing all these amazing tips. Can you tell the audience a little bit more about who you are and what you do? So my name is Paul McDougall. I'm a travel writer. I'm also a digital nomad. I absolutely hate the term digital nomad because it's so, so, so pretentious. But everybody knows what it means, so I have to call myself one. And one of the companies I work for is a website called travelness.com. And I'm appearing on this podcast in affiliation with them. And I think we're a little bit different to most other travel blogs and travel websites because 
what we what we like to say is we're travel guides you can trust we offer travel guides you can trust we only write about places either we've lived in or places we've visited for a month or longer so everything we have on the website is really authentic and it's all born from experience if that makes sense no absolutely yeah i mean the Definitely when you read some of the articles out there, they Googled it and then they just wrote based on what they Googled. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's really cool that the fact that you've been there for at least a month before you can write about it because it gives you a little bit more uh, in-depth knowledge, a little bit more understanding of the character of the different places you travel to and write about. Yeah, exactly. And and most of the places I write about for the website, most of the countries I write about for the website, I've lived in, not just visited for a while. So we do place a big focus on authenticity. Oh, perfect. Well, we'll definitely include links to that in the show notes. If somebody has questions about Newcastle, about your current travels, or about Travelness, what's the best way to reach you on social media? If you want to reach me personally, it's LinkedIn. LinkedIn is where I'm most active personally. Awesome. Well, we'll definitely include links to that in the show notes. Again, Paul, it's been great talking to you. I learned so much about Newcastle, and I definitely need to make sure I come out and visit. And we look forward to seeing you when we travel there. Lovely, Lee. Thank you very much. What an awesome conversation with Paul. The city sounds like a wonderful place to visit and explore the outdoors on my bike. You can find all the links we talked about and our one-page guide to Paul's tips at wetravelthere.com forward slash Newcastle. We want to say thank you to RubeCon for being today's sponsor. The Real Estate Wealth Builders Conference is a three-day conference by real estate investors for real estate investors. I love that there are no sales pitches or wannabe gurus trying to sell you their courses or coaching. Instead, you'll learn how to get it started and how to improve your business from actual real estate investors. I'm presenting as well, so please say hello if you attend. Tickets are on sale now, and you'll save 10% off your registration when you use the code LEE at rupcon.com. Join us next time as we head to Zagreb, Croatia, to speak with my new friend Christy Kronczyk of alwayscroatia.com. In this episode, Christy and I talk about attending the Advent Festival, eating the local delicacy of Strukli, and visiting the Museum of Broken Relationships. We hope you join us when we travel there. If you've enjoyed this podcast episode, please share it with your friends and tell me what you like most. Make sure you follow us on your favorite podcast app. That way you won't miss any of our upcoming destinations. Mm-hmm.